Here we are again, the Brian Golf Show. It's presented by Pinned Golf. Have you gone to pinnedgolf.com and grabbed your new Ace rangefinder? The Ace is a $300 rangefinder that you can get right now for $125 off when you go to pinnedgolf.com and use the promo code Brian Golf. That's Brian with a Y. The the Ace. It's got like my favorite part is the new digital display is just clearer. It's it's like crystal clear, and then there's slope. There's always been slope, like on the blackjack, there was slope, but this time it's there's just a quick little switch. So you might want to check that. The ace at pinnedgolf.com. Just make sure and use the code Brian Golf. Uh, we did this, I was going to say a year ago, but it wasn't quite a year ago. It was actually more like November when the Masters was going on. We did a little preview show with my friend from Callaway Golf, Johnny Wander. What's up, buddy? Let's talk the Masters. Okay. A year ago, we did this show. I don't know if you remember, but I mm-hmm. just snuck in there. Dustin Johnson's going to win. And I, I didn't explain it. I just said it. Obviously, he was, he might have, him and Bryson were probably the favorites, and uh, he ended up winning. So, Dustin it Johnson. Turned out to be a, it turned out to be a really good pick for you. And I don't even think, I don't remember what happened to Fleetwood. I think he kind of like just middle of the packet, but he's, he was always my passion pick. It's but a, he just, he, he let me down so many times. You know, eventually he will win, to your point. And eventually you're going to be right. You're going to be like, you know, I always. I always picked him, but, uh, you know, on my podcast a week ago, I said, you know who I really like? I like Jordan Spieth in Texas, and um, you've got to love his chances in uh, Augusta. So I'm going to, at the beginning of this show, just piggyback off the great things I did and said last week on my show, which was I I got Jordan Spieth winning Augusta, even though he went in and won. And I think the last time somebody won back-to-back weeks or one week was Phil, right, um, was that was that Bell South or Houston? I don't remember. That was Bell South. He went two driver and one at Bell South. Bell South by like like a hundred. Is that like what it was? Literally a hundred. I think it was two thousand six. Um, and then he went to Augusta with two drivers, and and that was the year that Augusta. There was a couple of years. I think it was like two thousand six and two thousand seven. I think it was the year that Zach Johnson won. There was two years in a row where the golf course played real tough, like super tough, yep. like U.S. Open tough. And I think Phil won in two thousand six, and I think he finished like six or seven under. And I think the year the year after that, Zach Johnson won, and I think he finished like it, like I'm not kidding, like even par or one under because the wind was blowing. But yeah, that was, uh, I'm looking at it right now. Phil Mickelson won Bell South the week before the Masters, shot 28 under for four days and beat Zach Johnson by 13. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, that's just somebody playing at their absolute peak. I mean, absolute peak Phil right there. That is scary. God, wouldn't you love wow. to just see that happen again? I would have look as much as I loved. Uh, what? Well, let's just say this. What did you think of the weekend that was? Did you get to watch any of the Valero Texas Open and Jordan Spieth? I watched. Yeah, I actually watched. One, I will say this: Jordan Spieth being in contention and winning tournaments is only good for everything. Yep. Like he's he's just. If you don't like Jordan Spieth, you don't like Christmas and puppies. Like you just don't like you don't like golf if you don't like Jordan Spieth. So like him winning. Um. It was fun because, you know, Matt Wallace was playing really, really well. Obviously, Charlie Hoffman played his ass off. But, like, you could just tell watching Spieth over the weekend, especially on Sunday, there was no way he wasn't going to win. Like, you could just feel it. Every single time those guys did something, Spieth did two things. 
And like, that's the speech that I'm, you know, that reminds me of speech from two or three years ago. He's just, he's a very heavy, very heavy competitor to go up against. Like you have to, you got to bring it hard to get him to go away. And uh, that's what I saw. So, you know, uh, your pick going into the Masters this year, uh, I guarantee the guy's in the hunt. Whether or not he'll win, uh, I don't know. He's not my pick to win, but he's he's going to contend there for sure. A lot of things have to happen for somebody to just win, right? Like, you know, there's always contending and whatnot, but like a lot of good things have to happen in order for somebody to uh, to, to win. And in this case with Jordan Spieth, you know he's got the game to be there. Obviously, he's contended very well at Augusta throughout his career, not only, you know, winning, but a couple runner-ups. And even, even when he was playing very well going into Augusta and playing poorly in going into Augusta, he's performed pretty well. So he's kind of, to me, was kind of the easy pick anyways because he was just just trending so well um but right. I, I just like as if Valero wasn't a great enough story him winning the Masters especially on a non-Tiger year you know I'm just gonna call it a non-Tiger year because he's not gonna be playing um who knows what his future in golf is gonna be as far as playing in major championships yeah. but uh you know it, Jordan's like my next guy like I want to see him win it just makes me happy to your point of puppies and Christmas Jordan Spieth is like my feel-good guy yeah, he's he's as American as apple pie, right? I mean, he just he just represents the best of American golf in my you know, as as we see it right now. Like he's just that guy. He's just he's Captain America. Like if these are the Avengers and Phil Mickelson's Tony Stark and like you know Jordan Spieth, Captain America. Sorry, Patrick Reed, but like, that's just <laughs> more accurate. You know, he's just that guy. And and um, you know, you know, obviously, you know, not having Tiger in the field from a from just a watching standpoint interest standpoint you know it's just not the same um it's still epic and it's still the masters but obviously anything tiger less is just not the same um but this is going to be a really really cool masters one thing god we're playing it back in april again it's not some weird tournament in november with no fans we'll have some fans there the golf course will play like we normally know it to play and there's some fun storylines this week. Like, will, will Rory win the Grand Slam? Um, you know, he, he had some flashes of brilliance a couple of weeks ago, so it looks like his ball striking might might be in order, and he's had a couple of weeks to, to get it together. John Rahm just had a kid. John Rahm has been a top five, top ten machine, and it's just, a, it's just literally a, a matter of time before the guy reels off a bunch of wins. Uh, he's tailor made for uh, no pun intended for for Cal, uh, for Jesus. That was a brain fart. Uh, <laughs> he's tailor made for Callaway. Uh, he's uh, he's just tailor made for Augusta. Like yeah. he's just he's built for it. So I don't think he's ever had a bad start at Augusta. I think he's always been kind of like right there in the top fifteen to top twenty every time he tees it up. Um, you know, Dustin Johnson. You know, obviously it's Dustin Johnson, and um, but then there's like there's always these random players, like you know, even like somebody like Henrik Stenson that's played like you know, not he's been fighting some rib injuries and stuff like that. But on any given week, if if the putter heats up a little bit for him, or if his ball striking clicks in, then all of a sudden the guy goes off and shoots fourteen, fifteen under at a major and wins, like he did at the British Open that year. Like you just never know. Yeah. Right. It's just it's such a fun tournament. Anyway, I'll I'll, well, I'll shut up. No, but I mean, at any point to to your point, 
And, um, you know, I kind of came into this name just based on, well, last year, you know, last year he performed very well to, to start the tournament. And then you got guys, you know, that I was thinking of Lee Westwood, like he's a guy that could come in and win this week and get his first major finally. My God, yeah. But then he's just been playing so well. There's obviously a lot of positive vibes with him. He's basically has like every family member uh, or anyone close to him in his life on the bag. So, you know, I, I always like want to see that story prevail. But then you've got... Um, Paul Casey, you know, like I think it's somebody Another like Paul guy. Casey. He could come in and right. win any one of these, and it's just a shock to me that he hasn't won a major. It, it, it is hard, it is a little hard to believe, right? It's like, especially somebody like Paul Casey. Like, if you're going to take him specifically, he yeah. does everything well, literally everything well. There's no holes in that guy's game, and he's never he's never not been Paul Casey, right? Like Lee Westwood has had moments in his career when he hasn't been very Lee Westwood. Stenson's had moments like that. Spieth's had moments like that. Tiger's had moments like that. Like Paul Casey has never had a moment in his career when he hasn't, I don't want to say been firing on all cylinders, but like every kind of had a part of his game that was just like literally falling apart. He's always been solid. So the fact that the guy hasn't won a major shocked me. I always kind of compared him to Retief Goosen. There's really never any holes in his game. Right, he just kind of does everything at like a seven or an eight, and usually those guys tend to win a bunch of majors. So he's one that uh, I don't want to call him a letdown, but he's it shocks me that that guy doesn't have a doesn't at least have like a U.S. Open, something like that. It, just, it yeah. shocked me, yeah. Especially, um, I mean, he's a good Ryder Cup player, you know, as well. I mean, when you're talking about that, like he's competitive. He's a competitive guy, and those guys yeah. normally show up in the majors. I've seen, I mean, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen him play live multiple times and you watch him hit the ball and you're like, how is this guy not win 15 times? How is he not won 15 times in three majors? Like how? Yeah. Um, but just goes to show you the fine, there's a fine line between winning majors and winning a PGA tour event. Well, the, um, the biggest thing, you know, and, and then we got like recent form, right? Before this week, you look at the, the match play and what was going on there. And obviously, Spieth played very well. And anything can happen in match play. It's a very weird tournament. Some people love it. Some people think it's ridiculous. I just love the fact that, you know, and I, I said something about it, but like the seating just doesn't matter because it's golf. And, um, right. you know, maybe there's an advantage or whatnot, but the you can be the one seed and kind of taking a chill pill and you could be going up against the, you know, whatever the 64 seed or the weakest in the, in the field. And I'm saying like weakest with these little air quotes and you're still going to get, you know, your ass handed to you if you let up because everybody wants to win and everybody's uh, just... They're special players, but everyone on the PGA Tour in the top 50 in the world are pretty fucking awesome, pretty special. But what? But let me ask you this question, though. And I had this conversation uh, a while back. When was the last time there was a true one seed? Like, define one seed, because we've had a bunch of different one seeds, right? Like, where the there's like, you know, the one seed would be considered the favorite. There's four one seeds. Like, say, for example, in a year, it'd be like Rory, Dustin, John, and JT, right? Of yep. those four, who's the favorite? The only time we've had a definitive number one seed that nobody wanted to play was Tiger from 1999 to 2009. Nobody wanted a part of that guy. Like Nick, Nico Hearn snuck by him a couple times and beat him. And we all know what happened when Stephen Ames like popped off. He got beat like 12 and 12 and 13 or some crazy number. 
but he's the only guy that I can think of. And I think he's won the match play. He won it in 2004. He won it in 2008. Three, four, and eight. Three, four, and eight. Yeah, four, and yeah eight. he beat, he beat Davis Love. Oh, I think he beat Davis Love in the final one year, David Tom's in the final one year, and I think he beat um, Stuart Sink, like, like, once again, like nine and eight in the final one year in Arizona. And, but those were years when he was a true favorite. Like, of the 64 players, there were 63, and then there was, like, the Messiah. Ever since then, the one seed, to your point, doesn't really matter because there's really not a huge separation between number one and 64 like there was when he was playing what he was doing. So whenever I hear the rankings, I'm like, just for fun, they should make it a lotto. Like, these are the 64 players that are playing – we're going to throw it in a lot of, we're going to pick names out of a jar and whoever ends up playing, that's who you're going to play. And he still didn't because win every time. He still didn't win every time. You know, he only won he, three. He still didn't win every time, but he won. He won. If we're talking about a nine year or 10 year span, he did win three of them. Right. Like that's, that's a lot. That's a, you know, 30, 34% or 35% winning percentage. But this is where the match play, if we're going to go back to that really quick, it was stacked up to be the greatest, match play final four of all time. I think it was Fleetwood, Rom, Sergio, and one other person where it was lined up for Fleetwood and Rom to play in one of the in one of the uh, semifinals and Sergio and somebody else to play in the other. And theoretically it could have been either Sergio and Fleetwood or Sergio and Rom in the final. That would have been amazing. But it ended up like the, I don't want to say the worst case scenario happened, but like the other scenario happened. And then we ended up with like, you know, Victor Perez, Billy Horschel, who I, I really like Billy Horschel. But like, it's not the same, right? Let's be honest. I mean, and those players would say the same thing. It's not like a, a, a Horschel, Scotty Scheffler final, although it's an awesome final to watch, is not the same as Rom and Sergio. Like, it's just fucking, it's not even close. Right. It's, you know, it's going to, I don't even know what the comparison would be. I can't think of a comparison. You can't. No, you it's because you can't. And, you know, I was like, when it came down to like, uh, you know, Horschel and Scheffler, I was sitting there going, all right, as a golf fan, look, Billy Horschel lives here in Ponte Vedra Beach. He's not far from us. He's kind of a hometown guy. So you always kind of root for, for him in a bit. Uh, whenever you see his name up on a leaderboard, you don't root against him, that's for sure. But then at the same time, you're like, Scotty Scheffler, That'd be kind of a cool story, you know, being a Texas guy, him winning that and whatnot. So yeah, I was I was pumped for the I always try and find the stories. Once I don't get, you know, my dream final four or something along those lines, I always root for the stories. But you know, just as I'm looking here on Wikipedia, you know the number one seed has only won that tournament five times. And it was Dustin Johnson, Rory, and then Tiger three times. Uh, Tiger, and then yeah, <laughs> and then a second seed, uh, Jason Day won in 2016. Other than that, eight is the next lowest or highest, however you want to look at it, seed to win. Like it yeah, just it, it just shows you how relevant it is. When it started, I think the very first one, I think Andrew McGee and Jeff Maggart were in the final. Yeah, Maggart. Like when they. Maggard Maggard won. I think he, I think he beat Andrew McGee in the final. And it was like, I remember after that, I mean, that was in probably 1995 or six when they had the first one. Yep. And I remember, I remember after the final, they were up against like this format sucks because the, the best players didn't, didn't make it to the final. 
And at that point, you know, the best players would be considered Phil, Freddie, Greg Norman, you know, whoever was at the top 10 in the world back then. And it ended up being Jeff Maggard and Andrew McGee. Right. And they're just like, and I think there was one year that uh, Kevin, Kevin Sutherland, like I think it was 98 or 99, Kevin Sutherland, I think won. (laughs) Yeah. I only know, I only know it's 2002. He was a 62 seed. uh, And I only know that because, you know, I've got it in front of me here, but yeah, he beat Scott McCarron of all people, by the way. Who's a great player. Yeah. Great. But like he did that in the time of Tiger. Like, so, you know, you got ABC who's, you know, telecasting that thing the whole time going, come on, Tiger, come on, Tiger, come on, Tiger. Like, they're prepping all their ad partners, everything for the weekend. Tiger's going to be in the hunt. And it's like, oh, sorry, dude. It's like. Right. So we I, got, I don't know. So I, look, I, I bring, <laughs> I bring that up just because, you know, some of the guys that were, were there, right? Like Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia battling out. The walk-off ace was pretty cool. All of this stuff was really cool. And there's a lot of good players there. Cooch always plays well. So I don't know if you can sit there and say, hey, he's in great form. But, you know, that's just kind of what I'm looking at and seeing. Can you draw anything? You know, do you bring Sergio over into the master's contention is he someone that could win based on how he's kind of been playing the past couple of weeks. I mean, he's such a good ball striker. Obviously anything can happen with that guy. Um, you know, but I'm trying to like think without going Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, Jordan Spieth, who are some of these guys that you can pull into, Hey, that guy could win the masters and he couldn't just win the masters. Like he should be considered one of the top 10 favorites this year. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're going to pull in a group like that, then you're talking about the Westwoods, the Sergios, the, I mean, hell, even Dan, you know, I, it, you know Danny Wilkes won it before. So, I mean, he's a past champion and he's kind of trending. His game's starting to come. But you, there, there's always those guys that may not be showing a lot on tour, but the moment you get them at Augusta and the sun hits them the right way, then all of a sudden they're in contention, right? It's just, it's, it's like there's that group of players that that could happen to. Like Sergio, if he putts, he contends. Like he never doesn't hit it well, so he's a, obviously somebody that's that's you know a lot of fun to watch uh, at the Masters. Um, then you take somebody like you know if you're going to go really really you know nostalgic, and you know I'll get blambasted for this, but like even Phil, like who has had no evidence of playing well in the last call it year besides on the Champions Tour this tournament lives away from the PGA tour. This is not a PGA tour event. This is the masters. So, you know, you know how to play Augusta and you're a three time champion and you can still get it out there the way you could before anything can happen for somebody like, 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 like it happened with tiger a couple of years ago, or it could happen with Phil. Like then there's those, then there's that group of players that could just, you know, kind of show up and all of a sudden contend. And the X factor with those guys is, you know, if the golf course plays really tough and Phil gets around the lead going into the weekend or Sunday, what does that do to some of these young guys that have never had Phil Mickelson chase them down on a Sunday, right? It's a whole nother ball game. Um, there's all these little things that can happen at Augusta that you really can't factor in. So, you know, when you talk about like who the true favorite is, who knows? Do you just default, though, to the defending champion? Do you just go, look, he's the defending champion. Dustin Johnson always seems to play, you know, good golf. He can can now play good, and then all of a sudden he can just have a great month, which is why he probably, you know, is number one player in the world. He could. 
Yeah, he could win. He could win just as easily as some of these other guys. I mean, I, I would say he can win the easiest if he plays well. If just Dustin Johnson plays well, he has the best chance to win. So if he shows up with his B-plus to A-minus game, I give him like a 50-50 shot of winning. Like, that's how I'd break that down. But then I also go with like my pick this week is John Rom, right? So if John Rom coming off the fact that he just had a child, Life is amazing. He's got no worries. He, all he has to do is show up and, and try to rip this golf course apart. If he shows up with his D-plus or A-minus game, he's got a 50% chance of winning, right? Like, yeah. there's a few guys like that. Rory McIlroy being the only one for me that's kind of like, I don't know, because he's shown up going into the Masters with damn near his A-game, and he shows up to the Masters, and emotionally something happens, and he just doesn't quite hold it together. He's the only guy I can think of that that is, to me, of all the players in the world right now, is roll out of bed more talented than everybody else is, is Rory. Rom's up there, but Rory, to me, is like the guy. But something about Augusta and Rory, you know, whether you want to blame what happened in 2010 or whatever, something about that tournament and the fact that he needs it to get the Grand Slam, there's, there's, a, there's an emotional breakthrough that needs to happen there. I can't wait till it does happen, because it will, but it happens. It's a thing. It's an actual thing. So it's hard for me to put like, you know, favorite on Rory because so many emotional things I feel like have to happen for him to win there. Uh, he just he just can't go out and play well and win. You know, he's got he's got another barrier to, over, to overcome. Um, if that if that makes sense. Well, it's one of those things where if he gets off to a bad start, he's in a mental spot of kind of negativity and he's climbing back. Or if he gets off to this hot start, whatever it is, or maybe he's got a, a 36-hole lead or he's in contention through 54 holes, then there's that pressure of like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, I'm almost there, I'm almost there. Yeah, I think the best thing that could happen to Rory is nothing happens the first two days. Like he just cruises along and stays within like six or seven of the lead and then realizes that he's there and now he's the chaser and could just just go off of the weekend. Like that to me is how Rory McIlroy is going to win the, the Masters. If he's going to be sort of there going into the weekend and then something will happen and he'll kind of pop up and go, I, I feel like winning this weekend. And he'll just show up and go like 66-66 to win by three. Oh. Like so that's, that's how I feel like Rory's going to win the Masters. I would love to see And that. it'll be, it'll come, it'll come, he'll come out and finish like a, like a freight train. Um, cause that's, that's him, right? He's got that, he's got a switch and when he flips it like Dustin, he could, he could make Augusta look like a goat track in two seconds. It just hasn't happened yet. Well, and speaking of Augusta and goat track last year was definitely a different masters and it was a different Augusta national. It was very mm -hmm. soft. It was in the fall. You know, I know what, I, I believe they had like some overseed or something along those lines. So it was playing very bushy and soft and uh, not as bouncy and firm as we normally see Augusta play. I'm assuming, and look, this is just going off of kind of Jacksonville weather. We've had one of the coldest winters and springs that I can remember. Uh, mm -hmm. nor normally we've got about a month or two of like winter, but then it's always 40s, 50s, and then, you know, by the time afternoon hits, it's in the high 60s and 70s. It's been pretty chilly this winter, and I don't know if that bodes well. You know, Augusta's only four or five hours north of here. I don't know if that bodes well for a nice, firm, and fast Augusta, but I really hope that's what we get. I just want to see that. So do I. Um, I would like to see a, a Masters, like, uh, you know, hot, fast, and firm. 
Like, yeah. I don't remember what year that was. I think I want to say it was like 2000, 2010 or 2011. It was like low 80s every day with, a, you know, barely any breeze until you got into Amen Corner, but it was fast and firm and, you know, but guys were scoring, right? But the pressure was still there. Like, I want a Masters like that. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> the weather forecast for Thursday, 83 in rain. Friday, 79 in rain. Saturday, 80 in rain. Sunday, 78 in rain. Well, that bodes well for the guys that bomb it. I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, but who knows what kind of, you know, what kind of rain is it going to be? You know, there's, uh, it's just going to be sunny all week and hot leading up to this tournament. And then all of a sudden there's thunderstorms and four straight days so the hard of part is, tournament golf. The hard part, the hard part is they're going to play the golf course a certain way, like practice rounds a certain way, and then it's going to rain and it's going to play soft. Like that's, that's, it depends on how hard it rains, but if it dumps, they're going to play the golf course fast and firm and normal, and then it's going to dump, and then you know the golf course is going to play 200 yards longer. Which again, there's a bunch of people that all of a sudden that comes in that brings back into play. You know that maybe, maybe there's some guys that if it's firm and fast, you you point to them and go, "Yep, I can I can golf my ball around that golf course a little bit better." And then all of a sudden, when it gets long, because Augusta's like 74, 7500, I believe. Um, where it's currently at wind, man, wind is going to be, I mean, if you've got like thunderstorms for four straight days, it's going to be nice and windy. It'll be cool, man. You'll see the ball strikers prevail. The bombers and the ball strikers. You know what the funny thing is about the bombers these days though? And I go back to tiger, like when tiger was playing and this is just an example I'm going to use, but the bombers, there's so many bombers now that, bombing and isn't really an, that big of an advantage as it was because you only have an advantage over like say 15 or 20 guys in the field like if you go to a major right and you're one of those guys that are we'll, we'll call the bombers the 175 plus ball speed guys right call them 175 to 180 they call it 180 plus call it 180 because if you go 175 i saw charlie hoffman hitting like 175 to 177 yesterday right so so take anybody over 180 is considered a bomber. And say there's 100 players at the at the Masters, 30 of them are 180 plus, right? And then you're talking about where back in Tiger's day there was two, and he was one of them. Back you know back yep. back on that day. So now you go and dip down into 175, and now you're talking about probably more than half the field. You know, it's more of a rarity to be short these days than it is to be long. It's actually way more common to be long this. So when people are like, oh, the big hitter's got a big advantage, big advantage over who? Like six people? <laughs> like right. like over Bernhard Longer, uh, you know, people would say Colin Moore call like the sub-170 players, but that sub-170 player is 50 times better iron player than 80% of the people that are up in the, in the long hitter category. Right. So then that balances. So like this, this, this distance debate about how it's such an advantage to be long, it's going to get to the point where it's like, yeah, it's, I, it's nice to be long, but I, you know, now I'm long and I put the teeth out of it. Like you got to have one other thing. You can't just be long. Like ask Cameron champ, even Bryson, even some of these guys that pounded to me, Dustin Johnson and Rory are the only two that mesh the whole game together in a really well, in a really good way. The guys that are over 180 ball speed that have like a seriously complete game. Um, you know, obviously when Bryson has a good week, everything kind of comes together, but like, it's not as, 
in the majors, it's, it's not as prevalent as it is for maybe like Dustin Johnson, where, you know, he gets rolling and the putter gets rolling and his long looks way longer because he's taking advantage of his length. So he's actually taking advantage of being a long hitter. Very few guys do that. Um, truly take advantage of being long. Uh, I hope that that was a rant. I've always wanted to say that on your show. <laughs> I've always wanted to, man, well, I'm going to mark it down as today was the day. You had a, yeah. you had a, like a, a wish and a dream fulfilled. So let's do, like, let's stop calling it an advantage. It's not an advantage. It's yeah. like, what's it like being normal on tour? Well, at that point, at that point, look, anybody, everybody hits at 300, right? Except for me. Everybody else does. I, like, but you that know. is that is bullshit. That is bullshit. You you oh, can out metric a guy with your little seventeen degree launch, eighteen hundred spin bullshit. Yeah, so I got little ninja tools that I use to get sneak it out there. I hit it like I swing at one fifteen sometimes, yep. but I don't. I swing it like one hundred five. That's no it's confirmed. One hundred seven, one hundred eight. Oh, I'm just killing it. I've seen it. Just killing it. I've seen it. All right, so this is this is that part. Then let's transition into equipment real quick, just because uh, you know you've you've had a good what six week run uh, with the new gig at Callaway. So you've uh, been able to experience a lot, learn a lot in the last six weeks. And well, it hasn't even been a, hasn't even been a month yet. It would be a oh, month on the seventh. Shit, I guess that's right. You started right after Battle at the Beach, like literally the yeah. day after. So never mind that. March so seventh. Boom. So four weeks in, um, I've, I've, we've kind of, were talking a little bit before we turn the mics on your site, your link world of Is that available? That's available for people to go to, right? That's not like a beta. Mm-hmm. Nope. Right now it's uh, I call it a beta, but it's not a beta. It's uh, you know, we're, we're day one of the site. So it's world of And that is, that is basically Callaway golf. You know, it's all, you know, it's my part of the website. So that's, you know, if you follow me on Instagram or follow me at WRX, it's going to be exactly what you're used to for me. A lot of what's in the bags, deep dives in the guy's bags, anything tour junky, geeky, uh, you know, uh, reviews on current equipment that we have at Callaway, deep dives into all that stuff. Like it'll be a gearhead place to go for all of your Callaway stuff, especially the tour. So right now we put about 20 or 25 things up there to keep you guys entertained for the first couple of days. And as the master's goes, I'll be doing a bunch of what's in the bags and tour truck reports and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it's everything that I love to do. will go up on this world of wonder. So go check it out. Today was a good day. Then, um, the video of you talking with Phil Mickelson, which was shot right here at the yards in Ponte Vedra beach. So, uh, little, can I say, can I, can I say something on that real quick? Yeah. I was, I was so nervous. (laughs) <laughs> interview him like I was literally chewing on my tongue so he was over like taking pictures on the putting green and my you know the producer came up to me and said all right Phil's gonna come over we're gonna turn the cameras on you can you know, introduce yourself really quick and get into the video and it was supposed to be like a what's in the bag but it was also supposed to be about his strategy for Augusta so like he shows up kind of dabbed hands like oh my god i'm standing next to phil mickelson and if you watch the video i'm like so what uh so you, you're uh how they mow the grass and uh can you uh and i'm just like please <laughs> just, the grass? Finish the, just finish the set fucking finish the sentence finish finish it please and luckily for me he is an absolute pro yep and you ask him a two-second question he gives you a 10-minute answer and he can go on and on and on and on and on so he saved me but like i'm not gonna lie to you I was my, it was like being on the first tee of the Ryder cup. Like my mind's racing. 
I can't get a word out. I have no spit in my mouth. I'm like, this is my whole career. I'm going to take a big steamy shit right on the ground here. And my tenure at Callaway is going to last 12 hours. Like that's literally what's going on in my mind. Like this is going to go bad. So if you watch the video, I'm shitting my, you're watching me for the first 90 seconds of that video, trying to not shit my pants. <laughs> well, it was good. And I mean, look, you know, again, you didn't have to do much there, Johnny. You only had to say a thing or two to get him started. And he was going to go through it. One, Phil, Phil's a good talker. He also doesn't mind hearing himself talk. So, you know, and he, he definitely has a way about what his, um, when it comes to his equipment, he thinks about things completely different than everyone else. And some of the things he was saying oh that absolutely, God. he absolutely blew my mind when he was talking about the, the not having certain shots between what was it like 120 and 90 or no, whatever it was. One, one to 130. He takes his 54 degree wedge out of the bag. Yeah. He says he never have a shot between one and 130 and he never hits half shots. That was amazing to me. We only hit full shots at Augusta. I never hit anything half because it it just doesn't work out. And I'm looking at him just going like, this guy's just kind of thought of everything, haven't you? You just just kind of thought of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's the truth, though, because that's what I'm sitting there thinking. Like, you know, he was talking a little bit about going through his bag. And, you know, you guys alluded to when he was changing the irons and going to more of like the apex iron or the epic irons from last year as opposed to keeping his MBs in the bag. But... Because, you know, Johnny, the, the grass, it uh, grows the, the grain and the grass and, you know, grass, it's green, uh, that whole thing. So anyway, um, when he was talking about that, which obviously is crazy as can be, that's, that's slightly mind-blowing, but Phil's crazy enough to where that's, you know, that's but, normal. But, but when, he, a, when he tells me he takes, when he, when he tells me, though, that he takes a sand wedge out because he just absolutely has no use for it because of the yardages, that is special to me. Well, what he said too, he's like, there's, he's like, there's a hole in the golf course, like that nobody really talks about. Like, yeah. I, I forget the exact quote, but he's like, yeah, but did you know that Augusta National, like, there's no 100 to 130 shots at Augusta? Like, did you know that? It was just kind of like a like a Wikipedia fact. Like, yeah, you know, little well, only the people that really know know. But right, the golf course doesn't have any 130 to 100 yard shots. So fucking good luck to you. Right. Like, Right, right, right. I never, and I actually, when he says it, I actually started laughing. Like, I was just like, this, this is ridiculous. I, well, like, this I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it because he was just dropping these nuggets, and you're just sitting there thinking to yourself, what, uh, what on earth could – there's a do hole. Do you know what he's doing right now? No. Like, which I found – so he works with a guy named Garrett Pond, and this guy at the Ely Cali Performance Center. Everything that Phil does is with Garrett. So between the two of them, they're like sick of feet. So Garrett does all the fitting, all the testing, all the building, everything. Nobody touches Phil's clubs but Phil and Garrett. Right, right. So I'm talking to Garrett the other day, and I was like, what irons do you think he's going to put into play? He's like, well, let me tell you this. And Garrett, even Garrett has no idea what Phil's going to put into play, like on any given day, because he builds so much for him, and it's just a, a crapshoot to what will make it in. He's like, this is what I know he's going to Augusta with. He's like, we built him a full set of Apex MBs, a full set of PCBs, a full set of uh, X4 duties and a full set of Apex Pros. So that's what he has in his plane or his you know stash going to Augusta, and he'll figure out what's going to go and play based on how soft the course is, 
where the wind's blowing. He's like, but one of those four sets will go into play. And I just looked. <laughs> one of those four. And I just went, like, what? And he goes, yeah. And he's like, and I have no idea what he'll play. He goes, and it could be a combination of all four. Who knows? Unbelievable, man. That's absolutely unbelievable. I just, you know, liken that to Tiger Woods. When Tiger has his bag set, shit doesn't change. It stays no. the same. When I fit players, I don't fit players based on, yeah, well, when you go to this course, you're going to do this, you're going to need this kind of club or this kind of club. Like, obviously, some people are like, look, I sometimes I want a long iron, sometimes I want a hybrid, sometimes I want a fairway wood. But it's not like... Hey man, when you go when you go back north and you go travel up north, you're going to need a set of irons for this. And here's Phil Mickelson, one of the smartest golfers ever, and he's sitting here tweaking and 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 just totally blowing everyone's mind by having four sets of iron iron sets heading into the biggest tournament of the year. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it it it's hard for me to wrap my it's hard for me to wrap my head around about how he can just show up, you know, especially knowing that his competition are all kind of set. Like Dustin Johnson basically had the same iron set in forever. You know, nobody switches irons that much. Right. But, you know, who knows? Like Again, what bag combination? It's not like he's switching a driver because this driver does something better for this week and it's a simple adjustment. He's changing out like an entire, you know, an iron, a scoring club. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I, it's going to be fascinating to see what what he puts in the bag, and I'm, I'm, you know, in the process right now for the for the website. So if you guys go on, I'd say by by the end of the day tomorrow, uh, I'll have staff the full Callaway staff what's in the bag of exactly what will probably go in the bag, and Phil will literally I'll put TBD next to his name, <laughs> but I'll have an idea of what he at least practiced with that day. But it's uh. There's some cool stuff. So yeah, I mean, if you guys, uh, anybody listen to this, if you're like, if you like prototypes and all that kind of junk um, from the tour trucks, like what I dropped today, uh, there's some fun, there's some fun nuggets in there. Brian can attest uh, yeah. some John Rom stuff that'll spin your head around. The fairway wood. You got to look at his three wood. His three wood is just so different. It looks like he just wants to take a divot with that three wood. It's a it's a wedge. Yeah, it looks like a wedge, and I I I need that. No shit. Like, I, I, feel, I feel like that would be a great three wood for the kids. Like just something that just digs into the tur- – it just presents the middle of the club face every time. Well, it's so mm-hmm. stupid, but like it, it – the best club, when I picked up the game of golf and I got like my first set of clubs from Kmart, I bought a box set of Dunlop, and the five wood had that shape to it, and it was the club I could hit the damn thing out of a divot. And um, I know that because I was so bad once in a match, in a high school match – I was like, screw it. I'm not going to hit my driver. I'm just going to hit my five wood. And I literally dug a hole to China and my ball landed in its divot on the tee. And I hit my five wood like 220 or something out of that divot. And I was like, this glove is mad magical. And it's funny that John Rahm's three wood, which is a complete prototype, is shaped exactly like the, the sole and the face of that five wood I had. Well, it's old school. Like that's that's the thing about it. That that design, the, a cambered sole and a fairway wood, is old school. Like it's super old school. That's not like a new idea. It's just it's an old school way of looking at fairways. You go back to any of the old persimmon woods. Like some of those ones, they had a very sharp leading edge and a lot of camber. 
around, uh, you know, into the leading edge. So they, yeah. were, they were they were made to get into the turf. You know, as, as Sarah Woods got a little bit different, they, you know, some of the a lot of the bounce and all the characteristics of um, of a fairway kind of went by the wayside to, to increase distance and ball speed and all that stuff. So you know, our our, our guys figured out a way to kind of mesh the two because it's still a sub zero head. So the head itself is fast as hell, but it just happens to be a fast as hell head that takes really fucking cool divots. <laughs> <laughs> super, super playable. Super playable. Yeah, anyway, that's cool, man. All the all the stuff that I'm seeing up on the World of Wonder is pretty neat. I'm looking at Michelle Wee West bag, and you know that was that was kind of cool. Can you compare the difference in working a week on the PGA Tour versus working a, a week, even a major like the A and A, uh, on the LPGA Tour? What's the difference? Yeah, is there a difference amongst the players in the bags? Um. Well, let's. Uh, I mean, I'll start with the the serious, like a like, because I can compare the Players Championship, for example, to the ANA. You know, because the Players Championship sort of feels like a major. Um, the players' attitudes are pretty much the same. It's like game on. You got their teams, and you know everybody that's involved with that particular player is there, all hands on deck, prepping, trying to find every every little nugget of you know advantage they can find, um, and. Quick sidebar: Lydia Ko's round yesterday was one of the greatest displays of golf I've seen in a long time. So, uh, but when it comes to equipment, um, you know, the question is like, do they, you know, do they kind of approach it the same? The girls don't. I don't, and maybe it's just because they don't have as much access to the trucks. Like, there's not a, as much of a of an OEM or manufacturer presence on the LPGA. Um, which is probably a good thing because the girls tend to just kind of play what they play and get really used to what they got. Um, you know, Callaway has a pretty decent presence on the LPGA. We have a nice, you know, a good team that's out there, but we're one of the few companies that actually do it. But, um, like our staff, when I was out at the ANA, you know, Michelle, we was testing, was testing driver shafts. Some girls were trying trying the epic flash fairwoods because of how they launch. They launch really high. So the you know, a lot of the players on the two, big tour and, and the LPGA love that. Um, but other than that, like the ladies, like when they're team, when they're getting ready to play, it's like, they're just trying to go out there and shoot 62. Like they don't, they're not messing with their equipment as much as, as the guys are. Um, probably because there's less opportunity to do so. That makes that sense. Your question. Yeah, a little bit. That makes that makes sense. Was there um so something, you know, like for for me, and we've been talking about it a lot, like I'm I got to get out of my irons. I just I've had them too long. I need to just get new irons. And I started fucking around with the Apex Pros and I got really excited because the ball just flew straight, right? So yeah. yeah. So and I, I absolutely hate when people say this, much like what you were saying about there is no distance advantage, you know, in a sense, like these bombers. There is no advantage, right? Because who do they have an advantage over? Everybody kind of bombs it now. Um, on the LPGA Tour, everyone always says like, hey, these, these ladies are closer to us as 
as you know as compared to a PGA Tour pro, and that's fine and whatnot. But it pisses me off when there's no context because it's like, no, I've I've fit a couple really good LPGA Tour players, and I'm telling you, I can't relate to how straight their golf ball goes. I can't relate to the spin numbers that they get. While I may swing faster and I get more ball speed and whatnot, but you know, I got a player in here who hits it on a rope and doesn't need spin on her driver because she hits it so damn straight the amount of backspin at the height she launches it is irrelevant and so it's like all these things like I've seen these girls strike it and it's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen and so that's when I'm like you know what let me see this freaking apex pro and I started hitting it and I'm like it goes dead straight this is unbelievable it hardly curves um well you- yeah I mean if you if you look at like our staff the LPJ staff 80 75 percent of the of our staff on the LPGA played the apex pros okay that's um, what I'm getting at here right because for the very reason one they get to the turf like a blade they feel like a blade for the most part they have a very crisp feel but they're mindless they're mindless blades mindless kind of how that's kind of how like how Michelle we explained them she's been playing forge you know blades her whole career and she's like these are give me everything that my Nike blades did and my Callaway blades, everything that I like, but they're mindless. Meaning if I just want to hit them straight, they just go straight. If I really want to work and try to peel one off left to right, I can do it. It does everything I need it to do, but it, you know, it's, it's baseline. It's just feels great. And it's actually pretty damn easy to hit at the tour level. So like when you're talking about, cause I make that comment all the time. I learn a lot from watching the girls play. I learn a lot watching the girls play of how they plot around the golf course. Like my context for that statement is they don't overpower golf courses like the guys do. Yeah. Like they, they, they tend to play 100% of how the golf course is designed. You know, if there's a dog leg and a bunker over there, they peel it around that bunker and they play around the trouble guys on the tour for the most part, or at least 80% of them hit it over. They, they eliminate 30% of the golf course with how they play. I can't play it that way. So I'd rather watch the champions tour or the girls. Cause I'm like, I like how she plays chess and this guy over here is playing checkers. Like I want to learn how to play chess. So the girls play chess. Now, some of them are long, like the girl that won this weekend, A and A she's like, you know, high ball speed on the LPGA is like low one fifties, high one sixties. That's moving it out there. There's only like two or three or you'll know, call it four players out on the LPGA that hit it like that. But to Brian's, to your point, Brian, you take somebody like Indy Park, that's at like the high 130s, low 140s ball speed. I haven't seen anybody that hits it efficiently as she does. She abnormally hits it efficient, right? Makes like, no mistakes. Zero, mix, n- not, zero mistakes. Nothing. Nothing. Like she can, she, like the, the ANA inspiration course is 6,400 yards, 6,500 yards which is, you know, for most, most people, that's a decent ballpark. At 140 ball speed, she can shoot 15 under. <laughs> it's ridiculous. No, like, you have to really think about yeah. that. No, like my, girl, like, I've got a six iron speed. shot. Yeah, I've got a six iron shot that I, that I hit earlier at 134 ball speed. So, and that's, that's kind of a fast six iron ball speed, I think, for the most part. Like, mid-130s is pretty fast. So, something 135, 135 to 140 ball is like a four hybrid for me. That's like right in the pocket of a four hybrid. So you're telling me that if you took away my driver, my three wood, my five wood, and all I had to tee off with was my four hybrid, like that's it. That's the club I'm, I'm playing with on a 6,500 yard golf course. 
and I'm a, I'm a good player, I'm not shooting 15 under. <laughs> right. right. Like the girl's going to beat me over the course of four days. She's going to beat me by 45. It's remarkable. It's remarkable in watching her. Cause I watched, I watched the, uh, what was the tournament the week before? Was it the, the shop, right? Or the, the Kia classic. Okay. The Kia classic. We were, uh, we were at the club just like sitting there at the, the pool bar or whatever, and just constantly watching this and NB's just hitting it nowhere. Mel Reed was flying it by her like 20, 30 yards. And yet NB was there the entire time. And you're just like, this chick is not going to make a single mistake. I think she won by like four or five or something ridiculous like that. Kind of dinking it. And it's just, it's so impressive. So yeah, I can see the comparisons where people get it, but where I'm going to start paying more attention is, is how the, the ladies set up their golf bags, you know, because like I, I look at it, you know, and I go, most of the guys on tour, like Callaway, right? They're all going to be an apex MB or TCB probably. Correct. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, they, they don't like apex pro on tour is probably a little too hot. And I say a little too hot. Um, you know, it's just, you know, the, the Apex Pro from 2018, basically our replacement for that was the TCB. It's, they're, they're kind of the same iron, more or less. Like the Apex Pro 2 dots from two years ago. Yep. Those, the, their actual replacement are the TCB. So okay. all those players that were in Apex Pro before are going into the TCB. The Apex Pro for 2021 is a completely new idea. Oh, it's way different. For the Apex, for the Apex Pro. So you're talking more in line of your T100 your 770 players, um, Mizuno JPX Tour, like you're sort of in that, you know, in that pocket now where it's, you know, super, uh, you know, better player, cavity backy. You know, I would say the best comparison for the Apex Pro is the, is the PXC Gen 3T. That's the oh. best comparison I can give. Yeah, that's actually uh, a good, that's actually a really good one. A different shape to it, you know, like PXG has their shape and Callaway definitely has a little bit of their own kind of, uh, you know, you look at a, a Callaway iron from the top and you go, yep, this is probably a Callaway iron. You flip it over and it is. Um, but no, that's a good comparison. That's the best one I can, and I've hit them both. And I hit the Apex Pro and I was like, these are a blast and I can do anything with these things and they're super easy to hit. And the Gen 3 T's, I put it down like, yep, that's a better player iron. I hit it and I'm like, well, it's a better player iron, but I can hit it a lot of places on the face and I can still play with these. And Apex Pro to me is like that, but I like the flight on the Apex Pro a lot better because the Apex Pro do something that the Gen 3 T's don't. They spin. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the irons in that class do not enough and these apex pros spin like they launch and they're long and they spin which is a unicorn combination usually long irons kill spin these ones don't these spin and they go forever so uh they're great irons i mean they're they're sleeper like that's that's where i'm at that iron's gonna do really really well yeah, that's it's in the past couple of weeks. It's kind of been our uh, our top seller, and that's you know top performer too as far as fitting goes. Obviously, there's there's people that just come to me and buy golf clubs, and there's people that go through fittings, and um, it's it's kind of top. And that's when, you know, because when you came by and we were playing battle at the beach, you know, someone said like when I posted the Callaway irons, they were like, "Whoa, is is Johnny influencing you a little bit?" And I was like, "You know what? When Johnny was here." I hit your Apex Pro the least. I hit your X-Forged and your MBs 
more than I hit the Apex Pro. So it wasn't really until after we convened that I started messing with Apex Pro after seeing the success in the fitting bay. I was like, well, what the hell? Then I started hitting it, put my, my you know, DGX100 in it, and the ball just kind of flies straight for the most part. There's obviously a little bit of curve because I'm not a... I'm not that tight of a, a ball striker. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's like you get like this, this ball flight that you're like, shit, I didn't even hit that that great. And it's still flying in the direction. And so then I started talking about TCB, maybe looking at those. And I got a set in here for a customer and he's just four through nine iron. So I actually took the pitching wedge. And so I've been hitting the pitching wedge in the TCB. And it's just this super soft feeling, um, kind of like a softer version, softer all around the edges too. You know, all the, all the lines, all the, the toe and the heel, the um, top line is just a little softer than the Apex Pro. And it, it's kind of a little monster. So I'm like really intrigued by this set, whether I'm going to be going Apex Pro or like a TCB blended set or something along those lines. But for the first time ever, I've said it a million times on this podcast. I'm an MB guy through and through. I just hit them better. But the fact of the matter is I only hit my MBs that I currently have better than every other MB. That's my yeah, problem. See, for, you, for you, I would go four, five, six, four, five, six, seven in the apex pro and then eight nine wedge in the blade see i don't like even know that. if i want to mess with it i really don't johnny i well, don't then, know then you, you might not have to like and the, the one thing i will say like people will talk about i get a lot this question a lot about the loss on the apex pro because the first thing everybody goes to is the pitching wedge they go okay well god what's the, with the pitching wedge oh my god it's 45 like they're just loft jacking if you go to the rest of the set the rest of the set is weak like 23 degree four iron 23 degree six iron I think it goes 29, 33, you know, it's, 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 it would fall on the weaker side of the spectrum as a, as a, you know, in loft, loft, uh, loft package. The 45 degree pitching wedge is strong, but it barely has any bounce on it. So for me, right. like if I had, I would just bend to the degree weak and then you have like a serious set of irons. And the thing that's cool about those irons is apex pros, eight, nine and wedge. The short irons launch really low with a shitload of spin. That's the secret sauce to me of those irons is the short irons come out really fucking low with a ton of spin. And that's why the, like the, the LPGA players like them because the long irons go straight up in the air and the short irons are just knee high fastball. Like, I'm in. That's, that's a good combo. I mean, I should, I, to be honest, like, and at some point I'll try them and, and see if that's the setup for me. I just, uh, you know, I haven't been fit yet. I don't know. Right. That, that might be the combination. I don't know. I could end up with anything, but I'm pretty married to these MBs. I have my bag right now. Those may not go anywhere. Well, we, we always talk about it. You know, you, you hit those MBs, you hit those MBs better than you hit anything. I mean, you just do the contacts is pure. The turf interaction is as pure as anything, you know, that you've ever hit. So, you know, for me, in fact, it was your nine iron I hit in the MB where I was like, Oh, that was just different. So, I don't know, but I'm just yeah. I'm just gonna skip all that. I might get bored and start collecting them, but uh, and do a crazy combo set. But this is this is a make or break year for me, Johnny, on the golf course. I got to start playing to my potential, and uh, I don't want anything. I don't want a miss hit shot holding me back from shooting a good number anymore. Uh, I'm right with you. I'm actually to the point where I'm uh, I'm kind of rebuilding. I don't say rebuilding my golf swing, but I'm fixing some things in my golf swing that I've had that I've always wanted to fix. And the, the first thing is like, I talked to an old coach friend of mine that saw some of the videos of my swing 
And, you know, cause I don't turn, I pop out of it. Like, you know, there's a lot of deficiencies in my swing. And he looked at me, he's like, he's like the first thing you need to fix before you like start turning and everything. And, and one of the reasons why you're doing all this goofy shit is like your grip got really strong. Mm-hmm. He's like, when you used to swing it well, you had a really weak grip. And he's like, what's happening is it's throwing off your whole, like just your grip and your, and your posture. You're starting off in a, at a point where all you can do is what you do. Right. So he's like trying to weaken my grip and fix, just fix my posture. He's like, if we do this, 35% of your problems will go away just with a grip change and your posture change. So like, I'm going to, I'm going to start there. And uh, I feel like there's some good golf to be had for myself as well. So I'm uh, in on that. I'm in on it. Well, so am I. So I want to win Battle of the Beach. I just want to win Battle at the Beach. I want to care look, about. I want to win Battle at the Beach. I want to qualify for the Florida Amateur again. And like all this shit, my wife is talking all this shit about me saying I suck at golf on the podcast and that there's no reason for me to play. <laughs> I said, well, damn it. I really oh, want to compete. She's, she's brutal. She is brutal. She just wants us to go somewhere else for the weekend. Uh, yeah, you know, but, take it easy. But so with all that, with all that being said, man, um, I'm, I'm like totally in on, on Callaway irons and you, you have an influence. You piqued my interest, but it was actually just performance in the Bay that really kind of made me go that direction. And the fact that every time, like I put the MP twenties in the bag and I thought those were going to be the answer. They weren't, they, they, no. they launched like apex pro, but with like a thousand more RPMs. You know, so it's like, whereas Apex Pro's kind of slightly in that better window where my six iron's in that 55 to 6,000 range versus the, yeah. the MP out on the golf course, it like hit a wall uh, and like into the wind. It was just, I couldn't, I couldn't stomach seeing it. So anyway, man, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pumped to see, I think my rep is getting me a set here in the next couple of weeks, I hope. So hopefully I have them for a, for a tournament. Uh, otherwise I'm going to play my, my Cobra MBs. The, the old faithful uh, King Forged. Oh, I'm excited for it all. Because uh, hopefully it, uh, it benefits me somewhere, somewhere, you know, <laughs> some way, shape, or form. Right. But, it it uh, should. This is, you know what I like about this? Whenever on, usually, usually your podcast is uh, like a half hour. Whenever you and I, whenever I'm on your show, turn into an hour show. And that, that makes me happy. Yeah. Definitive Masters Preview first half. Callaway in Gear Talk second half. Johnny at his finest. So Johnny Wonder from Callaway Golf, you uh, you picked John Rom to win the Masters. I'm gonna yep. just I'm just gonna go with Jordan Spieth. That's who I've been with on the last week, and uh, I'm gonna stick with it. And uh, I think we're we're prime to make the big bucks. We're we're prime for a good week. Should we put something on it? You want to just go since it's, it's it's Monday of the Masters. You want to put. Mm. You want to put winner winner take all twenty bucks? Let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about, yeah. How, about how about highest finisher? So your guy, your your guy's trending. My guy's trending, right? Your guy just won. My guy just had a kid, but he's John Rom. Your guy's been gone for three years and just showed up the last six weeks. They're both kind of on level playing field. I mean, into that. the Masters. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. So let's say highest finisher twenty bucks. 20 real dollars 20, bucks. 20 now here's the here's the thing when you get my 20 dollars you live in canada it's going to turn into like 26 dollars it's going to turn into like 29 oh uh, yeah it depends on <laughs> depends on who's president right, right this president it turns into like 22 dollars the old president turns into like 31 dollars um so okay but i like the, but the, here's the, the old deal. deal it's funner 
<laughs> it has to it has to be associated with a picture on a story on Instagram saying I I just lost twenty dollars because of this. Yeah, to Brian you Ralph. have to you have to video yourself on Venmo paying that person in Venmo. Done, done, easy enough. I'm in on that. So Jordan Spieth for me, John Rom for Johnny Wonder, and there's no take back these. These nope. are our picks. So you can't text me on one day. Oh, well, maybe I, I'm kind of thinking about going to Fleetwood. There's none of that. Like, none of that. No, you're not going Fleetwood. Nobody's going with Fleetwood, all right? Uh, all right. I, don't even, I don't even know if his odds are good enough or bad enough to go with Fleetwood right now. I got to go. There's. I'd rather pick Phil Mickelson at 100 to 1. Is he at 100 to 1? He's 100 to 1. 100 to God, I wish I was. God, I wish I was rich. Uh, I know, right? I wish I had money to waste and I was irresponsible, but I'm just not. So uh, I wonder what the odds are for I wonder what the odds are for Mickelson to get into the top ten. I got, they they got to be like forty to one. Mm, see, and I'm not good at that stuff. I, I would I'm only going off of what I saw about twenty minutes ago, thirty minutes ago on CBS, where it was just saying uh, hundred to one for Phil with DJ well, as the favorite. I gotta get, I got to get back to work, but thank you for having me on the show again. I enjoy it, as and, always, uh, and uh, I, I like supporting the cause. So, worldofwonder.callawaygolf.com. Go see what this man's cooking up over there at Callaway. It's a, it's a monster. We'll see you guys soon. Appreciate you, brother. Have a good one. Thanks, bud. All right. Bye, you see you, man. All right. It's the Brian Golf Show, presented by Pin Golf. You heard it. Uh, John Rahm for Johnny Wonder. 20 bucks on the line. Jordan Spieth for Mwah.